You're listening to the Flip Houses Like a Girl podcast, where we educate, empower, and celebrate everyday women who are facing their fears, juggling family and business, embracing their awesomeness, and wholeheartedly chasing their dream of flipping houses. Each episode delivers honest-to-goodness tools, tips, and strategies you can implement today to get closer to your first or next successful house flip. Here's your spiky-haired, breakfast taco-loving host, house-flipping coach, Debbie DeBeery. Hey there. I hope that you're having an easy day, and I'm excited to introduce you to Christine, who is one of our Flip Sisters in California. And since we recorded this episode, she's actually joined our coaching staff. So we're super excited about that. Anyway, I'm happy to share this conversation with you. She takes us on her journey to 20K in positive cash flow per month on rental properties. So she's going to take us through some of her properties. And most importantly, she opens up about the mindset shifts she had to have and her biggest challenges, which all came from inside her head, which they do for all of us. (laughs) So I'm excited to share this conversation. It's a really powerful conversation and she shares some great tips and is just super real with us. So let's get into it. Let's meet Christine. You want to start with introducing yourself and letting us know who you are, where you are, and kind of what you're up to in the world? Sure. My name is Christine. I live in Southern California with my family. I have two kids, uh, 17 and almost 13. And my husband, uh, my husband is self-employed. I have been, um, my background is engineering and I've been working in my field for a a long time, almost 30 years. It's been a great career, but I'm a little burnt out. So that was definitely one of the reasons why I started looking at real estate. Yeah. What do you do? What kind of engineering do you do? So my focus is lighting and controls for buildings. Oh, I do remember that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I worked as a consultant for several years, and then um, I went on to the sales side, but in the same field. Okay, got it. So I've been there for almost 20 years. And have you all, where are you in Southern California? Torrance, so Los Angeles area. How long have you been there? 27 years since college. Were you in Ohio before? No, I went to school at the University of Colorado. Okay. So I was in Boulder, nice. which is an amazing place. That campus, beautiful campus. Oh, what a cool place to to like grow into being an adult. That's a that's awesome. Okay, so Southern Cal, been there a really long time. You've been in engineering a really long time. And my guess is you see real estate investing as kind of like your next step. Like it's the the end goal is cash flow. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Eventually I'd like to replace my salary. Got it. When did you get into investing? When did you buy your first property? So, uh my 
the first deal I ever did was in 2019 and that was a flip. Okay. It was a tiny little house and um, it was cosmetic for the most part. I did most of the work myself and it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was seven weeks and I, I just loved every second. It was just, I, I felt so accomplished. You know, it was one of those things where I got to the end of it and I was so proud. I couldn't wait. My realtor drove up and was coming up the front steps. And I just remember thinking, this is my proud, you know, besides like having my children, this is my proudest moment. Yes. Yes. I could totally relate. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How did you end up doing on that flip? Um, I did okay. Um, I did make a little bit of money, but you know, I didn't, I didn't really have the education to really, really know how to do it. But, um, I did well enough to know that, uh, this, it works. (laughs) Right. And you enjoy it. I loved it. Yeah. Sometimes people do their first slip and they're like, no, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> not for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'll be a private money lender instead. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, that is a good role for you. <laughs> yeah. Were there any big surprises in that or was it a pretty smooth process? A lot of the, my subfloor have had to be replaced. Pretty much a lot of it had water damage so that I wasn't counting on. But um, other than that, everything was not necessarily included in my budget just because there are so many things you don't think about, but it was not surprising. Yeah. Nice. How did you find that deal? Um, MLS. Yes. Okay. So you did your first slip, made a little profit and then what happened? And then I decided that I really wanted to start to build the cash flow, and rentals was how I wanted to do it. So um, I started kind of looking into, you know, how do you do that? And there were so many options. It was a little overwhelming at first, but um, I decided that I definitely wanted to do value add and my properties. That was important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at a bunch of different markets and settled on a couple, which I'll talk about. But I, I had a lot of self-doubt. There was definitely, you know, the voice inside of your head, the bully. I do. I do. Yeah. I know her well. She's pretty mean. She's so mean. She's the meanest. She's the worst. The worst. Yeah. The worst. She was like, you can't do this. Interesting. So she wasn't saying that about the flip. No. Okay. Very interesting. No, but, uh, I, you know, I think if I took long enough to think about it, she probably would have. But for sure, <laughs> for sure, with the with the rentals, she was like, "You cannot build a portfolio." Like, no, who do you think you are? That kind. Wow. Of thing. Yeah, that is really interesting. Golly, so uh, yeah, how did you handle it? How did you handle her? I, I actually, I hired a. I call her a coach. She was a therapist. That was my first move. There's a very fine line (laughs) difference. (laughs) And she was amazing, but Uh she really helped me to um, retrain Mm. the voice. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So that nice. helped a lot. And that was a process. That was probably a two year, sure, two, two and a half year process. Yeah. Um, I also educated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because I, I actually found your podcast while I was working on that flip. It was summer of 2019. Oh you were on gosh. your second episode. Oh my gosh. That is bananas. Holy mm-hmm. cow. Wow. That gives me chills. That's crazy. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love Debbie. Oh my gosh. But in my head, I wasn't flipping. Right. Right. Back then. I mean, so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I kept following you, but I wanted to, I ended up taking a burr class basically. Mm-hmm. So I took that class and it was good in that I learned the mechanics of a burr. I understood hard money that sort of thing. But the mindset was not addressed. It is the biggest thing. It is. Oh my gosh. So I, I started to, I did start to buy properties, but still I was just paralyzed at, you know, at some point I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I I still didn't think I could do it. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I started by my first, the first property I bought was in, um, May of 2021. And I was just, I was petrified, terrified, but it did end up going well. I think that eventually I decided what I was doing was flipping. It was just to a different set of comps, if you will. Yeah. So you know, it took me, it took me a little while to be like, yep, this is the place I want to be. Yes. So it's so hard to talk about, you get it. You understand the terminology value add. I can say that. And most people don't get that. And so it's like, okay, we'll call it flipping, even though it's, we're not always selling <laughs> that flip. It's, you know, improving. I don't know how, I don't know how else to talk about it to make people be realize that we're buying a property. We're improving it and then we're either selling it or holding on to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Okay. So when you were going to buy your, your first rental in 2021, you said you were petrified. What were some of your biggest fears? Like what were your worries? So, um, that one was, that one is a short-term rental actually. Okay. Um, my biggest, my biggest worry always, um, is always economic cycles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that is basically my brain's way of sort of masking the self-doubt. You know, I would be like, oh, but the economy might, might crash right after I buy this property. And what would happen if the, if the economy crashed? Oh, I could, I could lose the property. I might not be able to pay the mortgage. Um, it will lose value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I saw myself like going into this place of I I like something catastrophic is going to happen. Oh my gosh! We yes, very normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you did it anyway. I did. I did. <laughs> you know, and and thankfully. With that one, my husband is, 
he has his own thing. He's supportive, very supportive of me, but it's real estate's not his jam. However, with this one, because we were using a uh, second home loan, a vacation loan, and it was a place that we went to often. It was in Arizona, in Phoenix. Oh, nice. Um, he was on the mortgage. You know, he was, it helped, I have to say, helped a lot because I was like, all right, you know, if if I end up losing all this money, like it's both of us. (laughs) (laughs) And at the moment, that's what I needed, you know, at the moment. And I mean, so it was great to have his support. He actually didn't go to the house for probably about, I don't know, 10 months, maybe until after I had rehabbed it, furnished it, it had been rented as a short-term rental for a while. But when he did, it was a very proud moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, all of a sudden you're different. Yeah. And you created this awesome space and you did this awesome stuff and big, scary things. I did. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. That's your first rental and that's an STR. Mm -hmm. Do you still have it? I do. Okay. So let's talk about how, how you're managing that. Or if you hired a property manager, how are you doing that since you're in Southern California Mm -hmm. properties in Phoenix? Mm -hmm. How are you doing that? So for the construction, I, it was COVID. So my kids were out of school. Mm -hmm. So I just picked them up and we drove to Phoenix and we did a, you know, a rehab. That was fantastic. And you know what I loved was they both have a a sense of ownership of that property. That is really cool. My daughter helped me a lot with the, you know, the overall scheme, the uh, colors. You know, she loves a good trip to Home Goods. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my son helped build every piece of furniture. Like, you know, it was it was great. It was a, it was a family affair. My husband was here running his business, but, um, I loved that they were a part of it. I know it is the best. Yeah. So once I got it up and running, um, I do self-manage. Um, I feel like the online travel agencies make it so easy to self-manage. Yeah. You need a cleaner and a repair person. Yep. That's what you need. Mm -hmm. And then you need to be responsive. Right. Yes. You have to yes. be responsive. If you're not, if you're not a responsive person, you need to hand that off because it's all about your rating. It is mm-hmm. uh, like how well your property does entirely falls on your rating. And that falls on is this person responsive? How quickly are they responding? Uh yeah, all of that. Yeah. You have a good team and you use technology. And you use tech. Automate yeah, which- everything you can. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little older probably than the average first time investor. So it doesn't come quite as naturally to me, but, um, now that I use it on a, you know, daily, maybe weekly basis, it's fine. Like I figured it out. I, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I think you're like right in line with everyone in our group. Okay. Good. We're all a bunch of middle-aged women. Doing which is thing. it's awesome. which is great. That's what, maybe why I feel so comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's property one. Tell me about property two. Property two was a true was a burr. Like okay, I 
bought it to rehab it, rent it, and refinance it. And uh, rent it as a long-term rental? That one's a long-term, correct. Okay. How did that process go for you? It went okay. It was a little harder because it was further away. So this is, I've moved to Ohio since then for my long terms. Got it. So it's across the country. It's a little bit harder to find good contractors. I found an excellent realtor out of the gate. So that's not an issue. Nice. Um, But the contractors were a little bit harder. I had to stay on top of them, which was from a distance, like, I didn't really know what what the condition was. I had to rely on pictures and videos to see where they were in the process. Yeah. And uh, so that was tough, but it got done eventually. It took longer, cost more (laughs) than I anticipated, but in the end, it was fine. Okay. Do you think it took longer and cost more because you weren't there or... Who knows why? I don't think it would have. I think the cost was just things that I missed. Got it. But I do think it took longer because I wasn't because I wasn't able to um, check in on the property. I think, you know, I've since done a little more thorough job of vetting my contractors. So that definitely makes a difference. Yeah, I think we get better at that every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What made you choose uh, Ohio and what city or, or is it different cities that you're focusing on? Yeah, they're all in Cle- in the Cleveland area, Yeah, um, either in the city or in a suburb. I looked at several different cash flowing cities throughout the co- country. And to be honest, it was all about the realtor. Interesting. Yep. It was that great of an experience. It was. I yeah. made contact with her. She took me seriously. She um, was incredibly responsive and knew what I needed as an out-of-state investor. Not not all realtors do, and that's okay, you know, but she got it. She just, she understood what I needed. Nice. Were you able to pull out as much cash as you thought you were going to? Not quite. A couple of things happened. So. I bought that house in March of 2022. Mm -hmm. And by the time I went to refinance it, which was in September, there's Mm -hmm. a six month wait period, right? Yeah. Got a season. Mm -hmm. And by the time I went to refinance the property, the comps had gone down a little bit. Yeah. So, and actually I, I mentioned this in the group. I, I had a, an experience so the first time I had the property appraised, the first lender that I started working with, mm-hmm. they appraised the property and it came in so low. It was just over what I bought it for. Oh my gosh. Like they didn't even try. Oh, it was, it was devastating. It was like, I looked at the comps and I was like, these are the comps that aren't, are barely livable. Yeah, These are like the before. They were, they were oh, before and that, but you know what? It was, it was super hard. And eventually after a little while, I realized that I was tying my own self-worth to the 
value that that appraiser had given that, to the property. That random appraiser. Oh my gosh. What an awesome, awesome self-awareness. Kudos to you to even like get that. It, it, it was actually someone else who pointed it out. But once, once I heard it, I was like, that's exactly what's happening. It resonates. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is. It's like, how dare you? Yeah. And I was from then able to unwind that, you know, and it took a while. I would say for four weeks, I didn't want to look at real estate. Mm -hmm. I just let that, you know, I, I canceled the application. I was like, I need to just take a beat. And, um, finally, and it was fine because I'd bought the property in cash. So it was, I wasn't paying an interest only payment or anything, Gotcha. but I, I wanted my money back. Let me do something else. You know? Yeah. So, um, about a month later, I started the process again with a different lender. Um, they, you know, obviously it was a different appraiser. And this time I did a packet. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. found my own comps, you yeah. know, put together this nice packet with pictures and what I had done to improve the property and the comps that I was looking at. And the second time it came in, I would say within about $3,000 of my idea of what it should be. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Good for you. So you got the, pretty much, you got the value you were, you were trying to get. I did. I did. I left a little more prop money in the property than I had planned, yeah. but, um, but that was okay with me. It yeah. was, you know, it was my, my learning experience and the silver lining. So with a rental, your cash flow is going to depend on your mortgage payment, right? There's the income coming in and there's your expenses. Right. And if you have a lower loan amount, Mm -hmm. your mortgage is less. Right. So your cash flow is more. Right. It's like, you know, it makes perfect sense, but it wasn't until like I got that first check after I had refied and I'm like, oh my gosh, rent is 1250. My mortgage is 550. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> so in the end, it ended up like the property performs yeah. like crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Two two and a quarter X or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, crazy. yeah. I, I do pay property management on that one. So long-term rental, you're paying property management. What are they charging? 10, 15%? They charge 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty standard for the long-term stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And as it turns out, worth every penny. Yeah. Okay. So that was project. That was property two, rental two. property two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so that was March of last year. So then you, you joined around then. I joined in I want to say it was about Memorial Day weekend. So end of May. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then what was property number three? So property number three, and I I took a, I took a beat between uh, the second property, you know, mostly because I was still working with that self-doubt. I was still kind of going through that process. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the thing that started to, really change it was the mindset work that I was doing. You know, I mean, 
your program stresses that before you're even, before you even look at a number. Yeah. You address mindset. Yeah. And it was like, ah, you know, (laughs) right. It all comes back to it. It just does. Like everything comes back to what's going on in here. What are you telling yourself? What story are you believing? Yeah. Yeah. Are you listening to your inner voice? Yeah. Or are you saying, you know what? There's data here. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have to have a crystal ball because I can look at the data, which is really fantastic. It takes the pressure off, right? It It really does. Pressure off. It's just, it's just the data. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad. You know, most people, not most. There are definitely some people who are like, oh, I don't need mindset stuff. And I'm like, "Mm, that's usually a sign (laughs) that you might need a little bit (laughs) because it all comes back to it. The thing we're avoiding doing, the hard thing that we're avoiding doing, whatever it is, firing a contractor, we're not doing it because the data doesn't tell us that we shouldn't fire that contractor. We're not doing it because of all the stuff we're saying in our heads about it and how it's going to be harder. And it's all going to, you know, it's going to be this and that. And it's always the answer. If you're questioning whether you need to fire the person, you probably need to fire the person. It's probably not a good fit, whoever that team member is. But then we get all up in our heads, second guess ourselves. Oh, it's my favorite part. (laughs) is figuring that out and trying to understand me. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you learn and grow and do, and then all of a sudden you've got something else that's popping up. It's like this constant thing. (laughs) So I'm glad you, I'm glad you get it. I did. And I got a lot out of it. And I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a numbers person, right? I love numbers. You're an engineer. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that the, that part really spoke to me. How to not just gather the data, but how to use it, how to interpret it mm-hmm. in a way that's going to help your project be successful. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Huge. And and help you reach your goals because your goals might be different than the next person's. And so how do we apply that to you and your your track that you're on? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yeah. love it. So you refinanced that one in October-ish? Yeah. November. I call it close in November. Yeah. Okay. And then you had to purchase something before then though, during that time. Yeah. I went under contract within a week Uh of getting that check. I was, by that time, I mean, I could not believe the difference in my mindset. I was so ready. and. You know, I, a little bit, I was chomping at the bit, but also I was, I had been analyzing pro- properties. I, I had been just looking at the market so intently mm-hmm. that it was much easier at that point to find a good deal, you know, to know a deal was a good deal Yes, and to jump on it immediately. Yes. Yes. But wait, was property three in California? No. Are they all in Ohio? They're all except for the first one, which is in Arizona. 
That's right. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you bought that. I thought that two-story house is maybe a duplex. I thought that was a California property. I don't know why I assumed that. That's weird. It's not. I probably didn't mention it, but it is maybe It is just in Ohio. Assume. Yeah. Okay. And that was property three. That was property three. Yeah. That one came tenant occupied. Okay. And I will uh, probably in June have one of the units come vacant. So I will have to do a turn in a rehab in that one. Yep. But the second one, we, the second tenant, we raised the rent. He's staying, you know, it's stabilized. So I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. Nice. So basically you just bought that one and it's kind of turnkey for now. It is. Yeah. Are all of these in close to each other? Like, are there certain pockets that you like the most? The second and the third one are very close to each other. So the the single family burr and then the duplex are very close to each other. They're in the same zip code. I like the zip code. However, what I've realized is I wanted to go to a uh, neighborhoods with a little higher value mm-hmm. because, and this is something that I learned from your podcast before I even joined the program, because the spread is more. Right right? It's all about percentages. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a little more wiggle room Yes, in a property that has a higher value. Yes. Yes. So that's what I've been doing now. So the last property that I closed on, which was about two weeks ago, that one, um, that one is in a suburb. Okay. Okay. And that is a burr. Okay. And the, okay. So property number three, the duplex, did you get financing for that or is that okay? I did. Conventional financing since it's conventional financing. Cause you're not, you weren't doing any repairs or anything initially. So correct. And then what about for this property? Are you finance? Did you finance this or are you using cash or what are you doing? This one, uh, I use, I'm using hard money. Okay. How's that process been? Great. Actually, I had uh, this, this needs a a garage. That's a requirement by the city. So I, it's the first time I'm adding square footage to a property. So it was like, oh, okay. I wonder if a hard money lender is going to cover that. Mm -hmm. You just need to ask. You just need to ask. They do. (laughs) Not all of them would. Right, right. But I found one that would. Yeah. And. They're like, yep, absolutely. We'll cover it. You know, it's all based on the the percentage of the ARV. Absolutely. They just want to make sure they're not in, they're in it up to a certain percent. They want to make sure their investment is less than 70% or whatever of the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, what do you mean you, it requires a garage? If it requires a garage, why isn't there a garage? Well, the city has this requirement that every house needs to have a garage. I've never heard this. This is crazy. I know. It is something that is enforced at the time of a sale. So, and I don't know how long it's been a part of the city uh, agreements, but I did notice when I was there that every house has a garage. They're all in the backyard, you know, so you have this long driveway. And 
that's one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Real estate's so weird. I love it. Is there a way to, can you, can you make a garage apartment? So that is definitely something that's, that I'm thinking about the, I did talk to the city. I've talked to them several times and I'm, you know, building a relationship with them, trying to definitely use, uh, Honey, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, in innocence, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, to attract the the bees there. So, um, you know, little by little, I'm asking them questions like that. You know, I ask the short term rental. No, that's an absolute no. Mm-hmm. Um, I have considered medium term rental, mm-hmm. and that is a possibility. But every tenant has to be registered with the city. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. So that would mean registering a new tenant every, you know, three. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then my next question, you know, I'm spacing this out. My next question is about, you know, how I use this garage. Right. So if it's possible to use it as a, you know, ADU or, you know, convert it or anything like that. So, yeah. That's really interesting. This is the one that's more suburban. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it just has its own its own rules. That garage thing is super interesting. I wonder what the deal is behind that. That's a yeah. very interesting rule. It is. The, the good thing for me as a buyer was, um, this was on the MLS okay, and it, it actually wasn't on my radar. The area wasn't, but my realtor pointed it out to me and she said, Hey, I think you should look at this one because it's in a, you know, a decent suburb, mm-hmm. but most homeowners are going to shy away from this property because they're not going to want to add the garage because of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I was like, okay. So I looked at it and I got a couple of quotes from garage companies. Um, mm-hmm. and it turned out it wasn't really that expensive. Um, yeah, I was I was actually floored by how uh inexpensive it was to add the garage. I only need to add a one-car garage. So um, and as a rental, that that works just fine. Yeah. But when we went to make the offer, it, the house was listed for uh, eighty thousand. Okay, and I, you know, that was way more than I could pay with my, you know, once I put it through the deal analyzer and everything. But my number came out to be uh, sixty. I want to say it was about sixty three. So my realtor was like, "Okay, I think we should start at 60. I was like, okay, let's do it. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Right. And they did not accept it. They came back at 64. Wow. That's a big jump. I mean, it's 20%. Big jump. Yeah. Holy cow. Exactly. So I was like, let me sleep on it. Let me, you know. So I, I looked at my deal analyzer again. I slept on it. The next morning I woke up and I said, 60,500 final offer. And they took it. That's awesome. Holy cow. Had it been on the market a long time? Uh, not that long. Um, less than a month. They just needed to sell. Yeah, they were they were out. Oh, 
Got it. Okay. And so, um, yeah, they, they were anxious. And I think at that point they had realized that the garage was going to be a challenge for a home buyer. Yeah. What have you learned? I know you've already shared some things you've learned about yourself along the way. Is there anything else that you've learned about yourself along the way of all these projects? Oh, for sure. Wow. That's a really good question. I mean, I've learned a ton about Mm -hmm. the process, Mm -hmm. but it's an even question, even better question to ask what I've learned about myself. I think what I've learned about myself is that I do need to look at the data. I do need to see the numbers. It is a little harder with rentals than it is with sold properties. So I have to rely on my realtor and my property manager. But once I am able to look at that and analyze it with real accurate numbers, my doubt, my self-doubt goes away. I realized that I can pretty much tackle whatever comes at me. That's awesome. I mean, that's a level of self-trust right there that I'll be okay. I'll figure it out. That's huge. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I think that's that that's probably the biggest lesson I've learned was there's nothing that somebody's going to throw at me that I can't work my way through. Somehow, some way, I will figure it out and I will come out on the other side. Yeah, you'll be okay. You'll be mm-hmm. okay. I think that's one of the biggest things that we all that we all learn on this journey. It, it's that it all comes down to just trusting ourselves. That's huge. Mm-hmm. What, and maybe you know this and maybe you don't want to share it. You don't have to. <laughs> so you are buying for cash flow. What's your what's your monthly cash flow with all these all your properties? Sure. So right now it's about 2,500. Nice. That is taking into account property management. Uh, that's also taking into account um, CapEx, OpEx. So my operating expenses on the monthly basis, as, as well as setting aside money for vacancy or, um, you know, big repairs, water heaters, that sort of thing. Yes. And that's something that honestly, I just, I would say before I bought the duplex, that was something that I finally started to do was like set aside that money, money on a monthly basis. Yeah. So what's left over after I do that is it's about 2,500 a month. That's fantastic. And that's really, that's on three properties. Uh, four, four properties. Yes, you're right. Three, because the the last one isn't cash flowing yet. Yeah. Okay. So that's awesome, man. That's over 800 bucks per property. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Do you have a goal that you're aiming for? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Southern California, right? It's, it's an expensive place to live. Yeah. So my goal is $20,000 of cash flow. Do you have a plan of how you're going to get there? Mm-hmm. I love that. I, you know, it's so important to have that goal and, and then back out of it to be like, no, you can totally get that. It's just this, right? It's all just numbers. Everything is just numbers. It's X number of properties producing X amount monthly revenue and you're there. 
Do you have any reason to invest anywhere other than Ohio? Yes. You're going to go somewhere else? I'm so glad you asked that question because I think when I first started in Ohio, I love the market as a cash flowing market. It's wonderful. I love my team that I have there. However, I would like to, once once I have a substantial portfolio, I'm thinking 10 to 12 doors, I'd like to go to a more appreciating market. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, a balance. I feel like I want to diversify. Yeah. Yeah. I have the property in um, Arizona, which is definitely an appreciated market. Yeah. And then I have um, the ones in Ohio. And the good thing about Ohio is it's very stable. Yes. Even through the housing crisis, their property values did not change that much. So um, I love that. I love that about Ohio. But I would like to go to somewhere where there's a lot more job growth, where there is more population growth, where businesses are moving, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. The stability plays plays well for cash flowing. Absolutely. And then just like you said, the other factors play into a more appreciating kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Are you? Are there certain ones you're eyeballing? Yes. My parents, I've lost them both in the past two years. Oh gosh, I am so sorry. That's awful. Thank you. It, um, they lived great lives. Great, you know, great lives. So, you know, it's bittersweet, but um, I had them for a long time and they both, you know, were, were happy with how everything, you know, happy with how everything played out. But um, they lived, they retired to Charlotte, North Carolina. Cool. And... I'm not sure that Charlotte is the is the city, but I love North Carolina. The triangle, right? The research triangle. That's yep. yeah, absolutely. And there are so many different cities there that have a lot of possibility. Yeah. So I do see myself going um going there. Yeah. It's interesting. So I have I still have a lot of uh investors. So when I was just a real estate broker in just getting into real estate investing. I worked with a lot of investors, mostly from California. And a lot of them would just, you know, buy houses over the phone with me. And I'm like, this is so weird. Okay, sure. You know, never been here. Um, but the numbers are fantastic compared. And this was, oh my gosh, so long ago, 16 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. But they invested here. They still, most of them still own their properties. They invested here they invested in the research triangle, uh, North Carolina, and then they bought cash flowing properties in, in Ohio. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's super interesting. I'm like, that's so funny that you're naming these, these names like, uh, yeah. So you have one short-term rental in there. Do you have a desire to have more? See, I like to buy properties where I can go like hang out for a while and I can go stay in them. Do you have a desire to buy more of those or are you, do you prefer long-term? I do have a preference for long-term. I think that I will add a midterm rental uh, at some point this year. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I like, I would like to accelerate the cash flow a little bit and also give myself the flexibility. If I, if I have one in Ohio, then I have a place to stay exactly when I'm, you know, visiting my, my properties. So yeah. Um, short term, I don't think I want one more than one short term mm-hmm. just because it's not, it's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. 
but midterm seems like the happy medium. Obsessed. If I haven't made that clear, I'm obsessed with midterm rentals. They're just, uh, you know, short-term rentals. We were talking at the beginning before we started recording that it is very hands-on. Like it's, you got to be responsive. At least I don't think we were recording yet, but with the midterms, like, yeah, but it's dialed down a notch because it's a month, two months, three months here, snowbirds here. So it's nice. And honestly, like they are about the same in terms of, because with short-term rentals, like the expenses are so high with cleaning, like, oh my gosh. And with people getting really upset at the high cleaning fees. So I've dialed some of those back so that I can, you know, compete and people are going around they're circumventing the regulations, even though you have to have a short-term uh, permit like in Austin, people don't. They're flooding, flooding the short-term rental market. It's definitely oversaturated. Uh, mm-hmm. Midterm is is still more of a sleeper. Yeah, that the same thing happened in Phoenix too. It got very saturated. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I love your plan. I love your story. Thank you for like, I think it's really cool and interesting to hear your journey. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And I appreciate you sharing the real stuff. Oh, thank you. Because that's what most people don't talk about, but it's really like, yeah, no, I totally had so much (laughs) self-doubt. Like I for sure thought I was going to screw everything up, but then you did it anyway, you know? So kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anything else that you wanted to share about your journey or anything uh, we didn't touch on that you wanted to? I think one point that I would like to make about the short-term midterm rental, and I think I kind of lucked out with my Phoenix property, to be honest, but I've learned since then, is to evaluate it as a long-term rental. First. Yes. And then if it, you know, if you end up, if it's saturated, if the regulations change, right, you've got somewhere to go. You bought that in May of 2021. Okay. So COVID had already. Okay. So Mm -hmm. what what we were seeing was people who had short term rentals when COVID hit, it was like done. And they didn't like pivot fast enough into, a long-term rental or anything else to get people in. And it was just, they were just sitting empty. Oh my gosh. That's a, an awesome tip. Absolutely. Make sure it works. It's just like with a, a flip we go into, make sure you have other strategies that you can use. You're not just relying on that one thing. And if that one thing doesn't work, you're screwed. Exactly. That's yeah. super smart. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's an awesome, awesome tip. Well, thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for being engaging in the group. Really. It makes it that much better. So thanks for being you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you, Debbie. I appreciate that. Awesome. All right. Well, I will see you in the group. Okay. Thanks, Christine. All right. Bye. Bye. Whether you want to buy renovate and sell houses, or you want to buy, renovate and rent them out. That's what we help you do. We walk women through this very thing all day, every day. And while of course we show you the steps, 
We walk you through the process of it all. But just like Christine said, the most important piece is our biggest focus. And that's your mindset. That's your limiting beliefs. That's the story you've been telling yourself about whatever it is that has kept you stuck. We all have them. We all have these stories. We all have these tapes. But what are you doing to get where you want to go? What are you doing to shine awareness on those thoughts and that way of thinking that isn't serving you? That's what we're here to help with because that part translates into every area of your life. All right. If you want to see if we may be a good fit to work together, go to herfirstflip.com, fill out the application and book a call with our team. Okay. Until next time, go out there, flip houses like a girl, leave people in places better than you find them and make it a great day. Bye y'all.